Welcome everybody to the Mastery Mindset Podcast, episode two. I am your host, Steven Javarucci, and I'm here with my co-host, Enzin Azari. Hey, hey. How are you doing today, Enzin? I'm doing good, man. It's been a good week, you know. I had that new job, crushing it, killing it. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, the future seems like very stable right now. Fantastic. We love to hear it. Um, yeah, man, I had a great week as well. Felt felt very productive. Uh, went to the, to the UCF football game last night, so that was... That was a fun time. We got to leave by halftime because they were really giving it to them. Right, um, as they do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I was an undergrad, they were a little bit better than they are now. I mean, we went undefeated a couple times. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was a good time. Um, but yeah, today we have a good amount of topics we want to get through. And the first one that I wanted to bring forth was this concept of analysis paralysis. Um, for those that may not be familiar with the term, that is when you're trying to start a new endeavor or to do a new thing, basically. And you are uncomfortable with because you don't know enough about it or you think you don't know enough about it to really dive in and take action. So what happens is sometimes you end up just thinking and thinking and going things, going over things in your head and it doesn't, it doesn't really lead you, it delays that action. You don't actually go towards you know, taking small incremental steps or even diving right into the thing, you just sit from the sidelines and think and think and think and think. And then some time goes by and you might even really get down on yourself because you haven't taken action yet. And it's something that a lot of people go through because we have this misconception that we need to be perfect right away or we need to be just competent right away where we just end up not doing anything at all. And one thing that I always found interesting was that where does that paralysis come from? It's mm. kind of like if you break it down, what I've managed to you know, conclude is that what keeps us paralyzed is that we think other people's judgments are a lot harsher than they are or more mm-hmm. critical than they are or less empathetic than they are. But truthfully, everyone's kind of doing their own thing to where even if you fail, most people really won't even notice. Oh yeah, when I, I mean, the quote, this is one quote that I really love. It's like when you realize how little people like think about you, like in terms of like frequency, um, you'll understand like how stupid it is to, or how silly it is to really put a whole lot of weight on other people's opinions. Because I mean, just think about the amount of times you think about other people in your day in terms of like judging the their behaviors. It's not a whole lot. You, you're worried about what you got going on. You don't need to be so so af- afraid of everybody's judgments, and I think um, I think the biggest thing about it is just fear. Like people fear the people's judgments. They don't want to. People also hate seeming like they don't know what they're doing or they don't know what they're talking about right away. But you know, you need to be good. You need to be bad at something before you're good at it. Like just think about when you know if you remember when the first time you rode a bike when you were young or you were being taught how to ride a bike. You, know, you start off with the training wheels and then you you know you still might struggle with that a little bit to even get going then once you take the training wheels off then it's going to be a little bit of a struggle because you don't have those guardrails but you have to keep you're going to you're going to be bad and then you keep going you um you persevere you take more action to take more imperfect action and that's that's the thing that you need to become more comfortable with is not knowing that you're not gonna be perfect at it right away but taking action anyways because you're going to learn from it you're going to get that 
experience and that knowledge of those actions and then you become better the next time you do it yeah and it, it you know you with the bike example it kind of illuminates that like all this behavior is learned because mm-hmm. as children we literally like our entire existence is imperfect action we always you know ride the bike we fall we run around the neighborhood we trip we cry we get up and we run around again and as adults somewhere along the way we kind of learned that like we weren't supposed to take imperfect action. We're just supposed to know how to do things. Or if we don't, we better project to others that we can. Mm. And it's it, it makes me think, where specifically did we learn that? Or what events do we all share in common that's like, that's shaping us to be this? Because this is a pretty common thing, I think, that everyone deals with. But for some reason, we still kind of pretend like we don't. Yeah, I remember when I was younger, especially like as an adolescent or even like a younger kid, I thought when I I thought that the older people in my life, you know, just the adults, Mm -hmm. I thought they had it all figured out. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll know exactly what to do here, here and here. I'll need I'll have everything perfectly planned out. And I think that like that misconception, at least for me, that misconception that I had and then I got to this adult age, I thought that I was supposed to have it all together. And, you know, it's not to say like I'm, you know, failing at life or whatever, but I think that that plays a part in it as well as the judgments of other people is you think you see them doing things and you're like oh well you know they're so competent at it why am I not great right away why am I not like when I was also when I was younger like I would play the first time I would play a game for the first time I would expect to win I would expect to be great and I don't know why that was a thing especially because games were so hard back then (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's it's interesting like where where did we learn that because like you said that behavior was learned where did we learn I, that? I think you answered that question at the beginning um it was modeled to us by the grown-ups yeah yeah i mean that's when you really when you really dive deep into it i i, I think that a lot of what are our, our 20s because i'm 27 and mm-hmm. a lot of my 20s has been like unlearning things that i learned growing up you know, it wasn't all bad, but there were so many things that like did not serve, it proved to not serve me in, in the pursuit of becoming who I wanted to become. And, you know, you had to re- unlearn things and then re- and then learn the habits, the thought patterns, the actions that were really going to serve you. And one of the big things was just not caring as much about what other people think. Like you can always, always take it into account because like you know other perspectives do have value but you need to be able to trust yourself as well yeah and i think that what we see online um specifically with men with spaces they gravitate towards a lot of those figures usually provide the aura of certainty Mm -hmm. on how to navigate life and i think that's really what a lot of these people might be looking for yeah um but what ends up happening is like you fall victim to adopting worldviews that promise certainty but don't deliver mm. and so i think that's what a lot of the internet is is like people just confused trying to figure out life and then they're looking for like you said that competence and that guidance because most people are i don't use the word followers but i think most people are very prone to being impression like they're very impressionable mm-hmm. and they're looking for something to make life a lot less scary I think I think something that you said that really really struck a core with me is I think we have a misconception that certainty equals like safety 
mm-hmm. that we can, if we have certainty about a situation, that we're going to be okay. We're going to be able to handle it emotionally. And yeah, I, I guess that's a thing, but it doesn't mean that uncertainty in a situation means that you're in danger. Yeah. And I think that's where we, that's a, a large part of the troubles we run into is that's the association we make. So unless we're certain about it, it's like a, it's a big thing with overthinking is like, what are the rules you make for yourself? And this, in this case, it's, oh, I need to be 100% certain about, you know, the outcomes about this situation before I even dive in or I'm not going to be okay. And I don't think that's, that's just, and I don't think that's true. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> that's not true at all. How would you even measure that? <laughs> yeah, it's, and it, exactly. That's, it's your own perception of, of certainty, which, you know, there's, there's different stages. I think we, um, in one of our chats the other day, we talked about like the stages of competency. One of the things is the unknown unknowns, as in you, what, the, what you don't know that you don't know. And you're never going to be able to control all the variables in life. It's just not possible. You won't even know what all the variables are. It, exactly. <laughs> it's impossible. So it's, it's, it seems silly going back to the original point of analysis paralysis because you're trying to control for, for all the variables and you're playing a game where you're not even going to know all the variables. So why are you doing it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is reminding me of like what I experienced when I think I talked to you about it, where it was like, um, you know, I don't like what I'm doing with this. Like when I quit my teaching job, mm-hmm. one thing that I experienced when I was trying to become like a successful freelancer and before I even made any money, it was like my brain would tell me that I was in danger because my income situation wasn't certain, even though I wasn't in danger. Like I was at no risk of like starving or being homeless or anything. Mm-hmm. But your brain is like we talked in the last episode is wired for survival. And so... It will. It has a lot of systems in place and mm-hmm. protocols to trick you into going towards certainty, even though certainty doesn't equal safety, like you said. Yeah, your brain, like that, the wired for survival piece, like that's um, one of the guys in the mental health space. I think we've talked before about Dr. K. It's like it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a feature, not a bug. It's not something that's wrong with you. It's there for a reason, but. You know, as you know, human beings have been around for hundreds of thousands, millions of years, what, whatever the figures, whatever long, long, is, yeah. long, long time, way before us. And we've evolved over that time to react to the environment. And within the past 100 years, 50 years, 20 years, 10 years, technology has completely changed how we interact with other people, how we experience the world. And our brain has not it's not used to this. Yeah, evolution doesn't work that fast. Yeah, it doesn't, like you said, it, it doesn't work that fast. It's not used to dealing with the technological age. So we're running into, I, I've seen that we're running into a lot of problems, like cognitively and um, with our emotions. Like we don't even have, there's no, there's no training manual for this. We're kind of flying blind in a way because, you know, our parents, our grandparents, um, they didn't exactly grow up in with this so they they prepared us for life based off of the world that they lived in which is you know kind of all you can do right. in a way but unfortunately for unfortunately for that situation there was so much rapid technological innovation that every like the 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 guidance the advice 
didn't end up being as applicable as it would have been for their generation. Yeah, the world, even even us, like when we talk to like Gen Z, like we're millennials. Mm-hmm. Even they live in a very different world than we did. Like yeah. we grew up before the massive like social media technological revolution. They grew up while it was already established. So yeah, they like, don't they don't know a world without social media and everything being as instant as it is. Yeah. And it's it's kind of scary cuz like it happened that quickly and it's causing like a lot of issues. Um you know, it bleeds into culture culture, it bleeds into how we socialize. Like even if you're like in a waiting room at like a dentist's office or something. People are just in their phones. Yeah. They can't like people can't just be present and just like when they're driving, they need something yeah. to also distract them. And mm-hmm. it's like that's how much it's been ingrained into like our everyday life. But it's also like causing a lot of problems with socializing, emotional regulation. Like how do you how do you handle your emotions when everything around you is wired to exploit them? It's certainly tough, man. And one of the one of the fa- things in one of the things in society that we're seeing a lot of now is self-reported self, uh, social anxiety. And it's been on the rise. Because social anxiety, it, it's not to say it didn't exist before. Like, there was always people who, like, you know, considered, like, shut-ins. Or they yeah. just didn't really do well around a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's way more prevalent. And, I mean, I, as a school counselor, I see it a lot. Like, so uh, my anxiety, my anxiety, my anxiety. It's, you know, it's never to... I never want to come off, like, it. I'm saying you're lying. It's just, okay, you're feeling that. Like, what are we going to do about it? But in this, with social anxiety, what's because of the technological innovation, what's happened is, you know, in-person communication, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard the, the phrases, I forget what the percentage is, 70%, 90% of communication is nonverbal, yeah. or it's not, or 90% isn't what you say. It's yeah. like mostly nonverbal, tone, you know, body language, social signals, facial expressions, things like that. Um, but with an, and, you know, as you take years and years of practice with that you become more well versed in picking up on those things and being able to you know know that you're in a safe situation but with all the all the online communication all the nonverbal stuff is not there and the parts of our brain that are that you know soothe ourselves in social interactions they're actually becoming vestigial meaning they're atrophying they're actually going we're not your brain's like well we're not using this so like what do we need it for so then with all this online communication then you put these these individuals in the real world interacting face to face they don't have the their brain literally is like at a deficit in calming themselves down so they experience a more intense feeling of social anxiety and that's and and you know because we don't have like great coping skills and we haven't been faced with this before in such you know in such mass these people are using you know they're avoiding it they're just becoming more online more secluded they're not because you know negative emotions it's they don't feel good so you want to run away from them. But yeah, like that's one one area where the technological age has brought us so many great things. But anxiety socially because of a lack of face-to-face communication has really, really been impacting, especially Gen Z and now Gen Alpha. Yeah, and all good points, all very good points. And it's making me think because, 
you know, they have that anxiety. They don't know what to do about it. But even before that, it's like you can't really tell someone what to do if you can't, like, diagnose the problem. Yeah. So for them, they don't even realize it's because they're so withdrawn into, into you know, online methods of communication or it's... It's just normal to them. Yeah, it's normal to them. But it's also... How, how do I say it? It's, it's, it's like they don't understand that when they feel an intense emotion, they just assume it's real. Like, yeah. I used to be very socially anxious. And I still have a little bit of it, but I, I've definitely made a lot of progress. So I think I understand what happened. I think what happened was that I used to be very anxious. And whenever I would feel emotionally overwhelmed, I would assume that that's like reality. Yep. But it was only something that I was experiencing internally and that I never before questioned where it came from. Mm-hmm. When you question where it came comes from and you actually do that inner work and you actually start piecing things together, you realize, oh, it's, it's a result of my habits. Part of it's a result of my personality because I'm more introverted. Um, and so when you understand where it's coming from and you understand that like those feelings of like, I'm deficient, I am defective, mm-hmm. I struggle with socialization because of some inherent flaw, when yep. you realize that's not the case and it's just a skill. Like, you know, we, we go to the gym, right? Like, some people have a, a higher capacity to build muscle easier than others, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That, that would be like the extroverts. They have a higher capacity to be able to socialize because they get energized in those environments. But that doesn't mean someone who's more introverted can't do that. I think one of the easiest ways to become socially stronger as someone who maybe isn't uh, doesn't have a strong proclivity towards social environments is to find social environments where you're appreciated and then try to become valuable in those environments. Like I've seen a lot of guys, you know, overcome social anxiety and like meet their partners, for example, mm-hmm. by like volunteering at churches. Or, yeah. if, or if you don't like nightclubs, um, learn how to dance and just don't even talk to anybody. Yeah. People will be very receptive to you. Like if you understand what's valuable in a certain social setting and you know how to make yourself valuable in that social setting, that could do wonders for your self-confidence and like eliminating your anxiety. But mm-hmm. at the beginning, starting from scratch, it's very difficult. Yeah, it it speaks to one of the one of the things that I've I've come to come to understand with whenever you have like emotional problems, you know, it requires an emotional solution, but you also need external solutions mm-hmm. as well. Like if you're put in situation if these situations are bringing forth that anxiety and these negative emotions like improving your your ability to navigate in those situations is also going to help it's like yes if you are you know if you're anxious because you're overweight and you have you're gonna go to the beach or the pool or something it's like yes not beating yourself up internally and having coping skills and being able to you know soothe yourself that's certainly helpful but like yeah going to the gym and being able to you know be in a caloric deficit is also going to help it's a holistic approach yeah because your your conscious experience is a collection of your internal and your external your mind and your body these things are linked um Mm -hmm. and i think like when it comes to how we think about dealing with our emotions or like therapy in general or mental health people usually only think of it from the internal yeah but you need both. Yeah, well, that's why, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of counseling and therapy. Like, I've done it for, one, I've practiced it. Two, I've, I was in therapy for, like, three and a half, four years. And, you know, 
I like that it solves the emotional piece of it. Or not solves it. It can solve it mm-hmm. if you really put in the work. But it addresses the emotional piece. But one of the reasons why I like what I do with coaching is it's giving action steps to, to better your situation like in the world mm-hmm. externally. So it addresses both. It's like, yes, we're going to process emotions. We're going to teach you coping skills. We're going to you know, dispel some irrational thoughts and beliefs you have about yourself and the world. But we're also going to materially get you closer to where you're trying to go goal-wise. So diagnosis and prescription. Yeah, it's, you know, that's one of the things with, you know, mental health and as a whole is like medication. It's, it's, it's there to, you know, it does help you with the negative emotions. Like you don't, you don't feel them as intensely. You don't feel them as often, but you know, if you're still, you're getting bullied at school and you get, you're anxious because you're probably going to get bullied and you get put on medication for that. You, that's great, but like yeah. you still are probably going to get bullied at school if nothing, ch- if, if you don't change anything with how you interact in that space. And that's what I feel like is, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm all for like addressing for the feelings and the emotional aspect and processing that, but you do need to take action to, inter- to interact in your environment in a different way to get a different result. Yeah. And like you mentioned the Dr. K video earlier. And he, he shared in there that, like, for the overwhelming majority of, like, you know, psychotherapy's history, mm-hmm. it's it's been mostly women that seek it out because they do put a lot more priority on that emotional piece. And that is typically where men have deficits. Um, that's something I've struggled to remember because, you know, being in the standard, we're, we're around very emotionally intelligent people mm-hmm. pretty often. But for the majority of men, they struggle with, like, you know, just saying how they feel or why they feel that way or you know being vulnerable even with other men sometimes we don't even know how to name our emotions Alexithymia. like yeah like we just we just assign uh we just assign anger to them or we just i just feel bad yeah like we don't there's no we're, we're like you said we're not used to like exploring the emotional side it's i have a problem here's the outcome i want what's the solution to that we don't even think that the processing the emotions the dispelling irrational beliefs we the just even having a space to talk about these things even provide us any value we just think well i'm at point a i'm getting this result if i get to point b i'll have a different result that's that's pretty much the extent that it goes yeah it's it's making me think a little bit because Whenever, whenever I struggled to, to deal with those emotions, what ended up usually happening was I was like a wind-up toy, but I was being wound up by insecurities. Mm. And then by the end of it, you crash and burn. And it's like learning doesn't learning and becoming more emotionally intelligent, it doesn't happen without reflection. And I think that's the missing piece that a lot of men are, uh, that, they, that they have, is that they don't reflect often on how they feel or why they feel the way they yep. do. Why, why do the things that they do in their everyday life, why does it matter to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like why? That's like step one is is that reflection is like, okay, I'm feeling this way in this situation. Why? Why Why are you feeling that way? And you're like, I don't know. Well, you got to think about it. You got to process that. You got to talk about that with somebody. Like 
Uh, I'll use an example in my life that actually happened yesterday while I was at the, the UCF game. Um, so we went to, we, um, my girl, her brother was here and we just wanted to show him around um, the campus um, and Memory Mall where all the tailgating was happening. Um, taking the lovely sights of the surroundings. Uh, it's it a great vibe. It's a great environment. We're actually going to go, um, me and the whole crew are going to go in uh, the later half of October to one of the games. But I digress. So we were walking around. We didn't really have like a tent to tailgate or anything. So we were walking around and I was just kind of like leading the way walking. And in those big social environments, especially when there's a lot of people and then like especially like a lot of girls as well in my past i was very very like wary of like what other people might be thinking about me like all the time and it would kind of dominate how like my headspace it would impact it would influence my actions and i would just kind of be in this like heightened state of worry and over the over the years it's gotten better but last yesterday i noticed it got it was like way better. Like I was walking around there, like I just didn't care. Like I was, I was just, it, I was, I felt present. I felt present and not worrying about what other people might be thinking or judgments. Cause I was just, in reality, no one was looking at me. No one was judging me. It didn't, it didn't matter. But I, it makes me think, I'm like, wow, this is a totally different experience than like when I was an undergrad and in the same environment. I really, it's like it's like wow you didn't you didn't have to feel the way you felt back then but you also didn't know what you know now and those and when you're actually working on yourself emotionally and dealing with those insecurities progress in moment progress looks like moments like that where you just have a little bit of a different variation of the feeling you once had in those same environments like if you if you, if you were to rate your anxiety like what well, once was like an eight or a nine now it's like five or a six that's progress mm. and then if you get it down to like two or three like you've completely changed the way that you can interact in that space and i i think that now i know because now i'm very well versed in knowing like where the insecurities and the emotions are coming from I can be like, I can better explain it to myself. I can be like, oh, well, this is why. And then it immediately it's like, well, why would you be upset? Why would you be insecure about that? No one's looking at you anyway. Like, it doesn't matter. And I was able to like soothe myself. And it was, it was really dope. I actually, I didn't even tell Lexi about that. I was just, just kind of came out the dome. I was just, I, I took a moment and was like, wow, like this is, this is what it looks like to actually do the work and, and progress. And I hope that, and my hope is that for, many people from like pretty much everyone out there to be able to have those moments where the the work that they do internally they can take note of it and meant and realize that progress rather than just be like i'm not there yet or i'm not only i don't feel different because it's really like it, it really definitely was was a landmark to me of like okay you've actually done some work that's a beautiful thing um and i think it's really good that you realized all of that because now you're in a position to where you can help others achieve that same result. Like going to a tailgate, like yeah. my first time around at college was a 
miserable experience. Thousands of people. Thousands. Thousands of people. A bunch of women that you're like really attracted to, but like didn't even acknowledge your existence. Yeah, it could be a bad space if you're in your head and you're, oh, yeah. you're telling yourself that like no one likes you, you're worthless. Yeah. You're going to get some, you're going to view the situation like it's reinforcing those beliefs. Yeah. And then uh, you start to draw, like like we say, we draw conclusions without all of the information. Mm-hmm. And then we, we take it like it's gospel. Yeah. And yeah, like, I think my my version of that experience, pretty much, and you were there, was when we were in, in Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, at the club. I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I'm just going to put on these shades and just start like dancing like crazy. And yeah. it was fun, man. Like just being it like and having like everyone that I liked around me. Yeah. It was like that environment completely changed. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the best ways to, to deal with that analysis paralysis and that social anxiety is to, you know, slowly build up a social circle of people that genuinely like you and then mm-hmm. do things with those people in those environments that used to once scare you. Yeah, it, it's I've, I've felt that like that I've had to talk myself down in certain situations like like I work at a high school and like there's a we're one of the largest high schools in Orange County and when I'm walking through there sometimes, because like when I was in high school, I was a very different person. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was, it was, we, we've grown up, we, we've glowed up quite a bit since then. And I had a lot of like anxiety and like issues and stuff that like, I just didn't even know was a thing back then. And um, I went through like a little awkward period where like I was, you know, more online. I was like struggling to like really fit in with like friend groups and such. And like, I viewed those environments with, you know, the other high school kids as like kind of danger. The anxiety was very much there and I was afraid of, you know, you know, the negative emotions of being like picked on or people messing with me or just feeling lesser than or insecure in any way. And like I'll even notice like like I'm staff there now. And like, I'll still notice some times where like I'm walking th- or like around a group, a bunch of kids and like those feelings still like mm-hmm. linger. And I'm just like, bro, that's, you're not the same person you were back then. Yeah, you're not there anymore. You're not there anymore. Like your, your brain will play tricks on you that, you know, like we talked about, like, like you're still in the forest and there's a snake, but you're imagining the snake. You're not in danger. And it's just so funny because I've, it's gone way down over time, but like, it's still, it's still kind of there sometimes. And I have to like, I have to like have a, have an internal talk with myself, be like, bro, what are you doing? Like, what, like, what are you, what are you afraid of? What are they going to, what are they going to, what are they going to say? What are pay these, bills. Yeah. What is this 16 year old going to say to you? So like make you like what are you talking hey, about? Some, some of those sixteen year olds are pretty ruthless. From my, I opinion. mean that's fine. I'm, <laughs> listen, I've been I'm well versed in the realm of roasting. I've mm-hmm. I've lived with other college aged guys yeah. for for a hot minute until I bought my house. So I I can get them back too. But it's just that feeling of like oh I'm 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 a little anxious. I'm in danger. Right. Like bro, you're not. Like you're really not. So yeah, man, anxiety is. It's it's quite the thing, and people don't really fully know how to deal with it. And yeah, man, it, it's I'm glad that I've been able to make a lot of progress, and I hope that you know anyone who really takes their mental and emotional health seriously that they can make strides in their own lives as well. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do, and it requires a lot of intentional effort. But it's one of those things that once you start, 
the momentum just builds and builds and then all of a sudden you're at the tailgate not even like worried about what you used to be worried about like you don't realize how much progress you made until those those critical moments but if you commit to at least starting mm-hmm. it's it's something that will it will pay off and since we were talking about insecurity so what would be the proper relationship to have with insecurity a very good question it's because uh, in that question is like 50 other questions like well is insecurity a bad thing well and if it is what what makes it bad and if it's not what are the conditions where it's good versus bad well i guess like what level of like what impact is it having on you that's that's a, that's i guess question yeah. one is it is it preventing you from is it causing you to be like anxious a lot is it preventing you from doing the things that you like to do or want to do because in that in that case like yeah you should probably probably deal with that yeah so i guess i can share a personal experience and then maybe in that we can extrapolate some lessons or some takeaways because you know at the end of the day for something like insecurity what we have is our experiences Mm -hmm. but for me personally the most recent example was when I was doing the copywriting and appointment freelancing and I was very insecure that if I didn't achieve a certain level of financial success consistently mm-hmm. that I was like a loser or that the people who treated me poorly in the past were justified in doing so you know like uh, jobs that let me go girls that rejected me or um, men around me who expected me to be at a, a high level um, and so I would be very, I put a lot of pressure on myself because the insecurities of those judgments and me not feeling like I was enough was something that actually ended up whining. Because you mentioned like we, it, it can keep us from doing what we want to in life. It can also corrupt what we want to do. Because um, mm. if you're pursuing money, there's nothing wrong with that. Like there were many months where I made, you know, anywhere from five to 10 grand a month. And I was like, I used to tell myself if I made this money, I was happy. I, w- I made it. But the then if, you make the, it. The, the if-then fallacy. Exactly. And and so my thing with insecurity is like insecurity can be a fantastic motivator. Like think of it this way. You can be insecure because you don't think you're good enough because of how much money you make. But you can also be insecure and in trusting someone who's financially irresponsible to handle your money. Like insecurity is not good or bad. It, I guess it's like who's in control. Mm. Yeah. If, if your insecurities are winding you up, then I don't think I think that's when it gets bad. But I think if insecurity keeps you from um, doing things that you aren't aligned with, because when I was you know making content for for the freelancing business, I didn't re- I felt like I was copying a lot of people. I felt like I sounded like a, a internet marketer. I felt like I wasn't being congruent, and so naturally insecurity came from from the words I was saying because it was not secure. It was a very unstable foundation based on someone that I was not. And so I think it matters who's in control and what the insecurity is signaling. But you have to have a a very deep understanding of what you're doing. And I don't think most people are there. They just kind of, they feel insecure. They act on insecurity, but they never acknowledge that it is insecurity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. No, that's really good. It can, definitely the the piece where you said it can, can corrupt like what you're doing. I definitely have felt that in the past. Like, so I used to for the viewers that don't know this about me, I used to play the um, the video game Madden professionally for a number of years while I was in college. Um, made a good amount of money. Um, so that's the reason why I have this crib. So 
Um, we did. We ended up doing well, but I, I was in my younger twenties, and I had I had a lot of insecurities at the time that I didn't really deal with, and I was always felt like I was not good enough, and I was trying to climb my way to be like a pro player, and you know you you don't start at the top, so you got to grind your way up, and there's always people. You know, you know, talking crap about coming you. Coming for that spot. <laughs> yeah, they're coming. They're coming at your neck. They don't think you're very good. You don't think they're good, and you, you talk back and forth. And anytime you accomplish anything, like they're, they're like, you know, still talking about you. So I always would let that get in my head. But also, once I finally like broke through, and it was a Madden 18. I had a really good year. I ended up making like forty five thousand dollars traveling to. Um, California a couple times for the tournaments um, I won a tournament in Vegas like we did really well and the the surprising thing that happened to me was like I felt good I have felt like you know quote unquote I had arrived but like it wasn't all good after that I felt like well now I have expectations mm -hmm. so now I have to like if I don't live up to this then they were right then I wasn't any good to begin with. And that insecurity like made me feel anxious so much. Like when I was preparing for tournaments. Like, <laughs> and it's it's just crazy. I, I look back on it now, I'm like, damn man, like you did the things you wanted to do and it did not make you feel like you thought it would. And it was a direct result of how I felt about myself and the insecurities that I d hadn't dealt with at that time. And looking back on it, like, I should have been so proud of myself. I should have had such more of, like, a gravitas about me that, like, you know, I was, at one point, I was one of, like, one of the top 10 players in the entire world. I won a tournament wow. with every, like, one of the main tournaments. I won it. I beat everybody. All the top players were there. Mm -hmm. And I won it. At that moment, I was the best Madden player in the world. How many people can say they were the best at anything? There's eight, <laughs> there's 8 billion people out there. Yeah. And I won a turn, tournament where all the top players were at. Yet, I still let my insecurities get to me. And I felt like I had to maintain or do better and to even to even feel like I was, I was worthy of the success or that I was even good to begin with. And if you don't deal with that, and it, it ended up corrupting it for me in mm -hmm. a way. Like, I was scared that if I lost they would be right if I lost or if I didn't maintain the level of success that I wasn't any good to begin with and it made the process of competing and practicing and whatnot way more filled with anxiety of like like negative anxiety rather than you know I'm preparing because I need to do well because the tournament like performance coming up. anxiety. Yeah, like that's that's fine. Like if a game's coming up and you're preparing, it's just like yes, you, that's your, your deadline is approaching, so you need to put in the work. But it was like it was like I was being chased by something, and I was like trying to run away from it rather than running towards something. Yeah, you weren't in control. And I have a question. This might be hard to answer, so you I'll give it. To. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> what was the specific moment where things kind of flipped? Like for what I what I mean by that is like for me, um, the moment I went from being controlled by my insecurities to being in control, I believe, was when I was in a therapist's office and I, you know, I shared everything about like I was like, I don't this isn't who I am, so this is what I want to do. I feel terrible. The more objective success I accomplish, 
the, the worse I feel. So clearly this isn't the right way to move forward. And he just asked me, he was like, well, what do you want out of life? And I sat there and I was like, okay, I have to answer this honestly because if I don't, I'm lying, I'm cheating myself, right? So I was like, well, I would like, you know, to be financially successful. I would like to be married. I would like to have children. I would like to be loved and respected. Like I was just, just rattling off things that I was like, these are what I actually want. This is my clear voice, my conscience speaking, nothing else influencing it. And at that moment, I had that clarity and I was like, <sighs> like, like, a felt, weight, like a weight being yes. lifted off. And I was just looking, like, it was like I threw the insecurity from my back onto the ground and I looked at it and I was like, okay, now I can move forward with a sense of clarity. Um, I, I, you're not in control of me anymore. And that was, ever since then, it's been like fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. like this podcast is a result of that. And for so, sure. you know, what was that moment for you? Like you said, I and you, you, your hunch was correct. It is a tough way, tough thing to answer. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> no, no, your podcast, no, 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 no bro, it's ours, bro. Hey, any, like anyways, like I, I don't think it was a moment. I don't think it was a specific moment. It's been little landmarks along the way where I've, I'm a very logical, evidence-based, data-driven person, and like that's just kind of how my brain like computes. So it's kind of like I've had to. I've had to prove to myself over periods of time that like, it's like that, you know, that Alex Hormozy quotes the, you know, confidence isn't built by, you know, screaming affirmations in the mirror. It's by building up undeniable stack of evidence that you are who you say you are. And as I've built up that evidence for myself, I've become more confident and my insecurities, I'm I'm able to shout them down more. The more, I guess the more that I've been the more time that I have spent being congruent, my actions have been congruent with the person I want to become, the easier things have been and the, e- the easier I've been able to shout down the insecurities. It was a lot of work like through therapy that I was able to like work through like past trauma and stuff like that. We'll, we'll definitely get into that in a uh, future episode. We'll, we'll get into that in a future episode. Yeah. But I had to deal with a lot of, I had to, first step was understanding where things were coming from like i needed to know what the problem was first mm-hmm. and then you know it was working through it you know with talking with a therapist but also taking action to to be congruent with the person that i wanted to become and over time like these little landmarks i've been able to prove to myself that i'm not that person in the past and that i'm on the right track and you know with anything with you know self-improvement personal growth like chasing goals like it's delayed gratification so you're never going to really see the fruits of your labor immediately that's the whole point like mm-hmm. you know i want to feel good right away i could go i could go to chick-fil-a well not today it's sunday <laughs> <laughs> but i could not go today. get a, i could go get a sandwich but like does that but i'm also on a cut right now so yeah. is, the, is am i do i I could probably get the sandwich, but I can't get the fries. But the fries are really good. They feel yeah. good right now. So you have to delay that until you're done with, you know, that goal. Yeah, enjoy the fruit bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, man, it, it's just, for me, it's been a slow grind with it because I think a lot of the insecurities were, like, pretty pretty deep-seated. For It, it had been a long, it had been many, many years of thinking the same way and being in the same patterns so it's been like a a slow ramp up of 
out of like outgrowing and and unlearning those thoughts and beliefs and then replacing them with the new thoughts that are congruent with the actions I'm taking. And that's, I guess, the important piece was you can have the new thoughts, but like if your outcomes are still the same and your actions aren't congruent with it, you're going to feel like a fraud. At least I felt like yeah. a fraud in that way. And now I'm like, no, no, like this is this is actually me. Like I can point to it and be like, this is like, oh, you're someone who cares about fitness. It's like, yeah, I've been going for three years consistently. I have a meal plan. I I meal prep. I track my stuff. Like, oh yeah, you are serious. Like, oh, you you actually you're good in mental you're good in mental health. You know you know what you're doing. It's like, yeah, I've done the work on myself. I've you know gone to school for it. I've practiced as a counselor. It's like, yes, you you've proven to yourself that that was i guess that was the biggest thing i needed to earn myself Mm. my respect and then that's the hardest one to learn that's the hardest one to earn so once i've earned my as i've earned my respect like i don't care as much about what other people think because i know the truth about what i'm doing Mm -hmm. so it's been more of a slow ramp up rather than like just one flip switching moment okay so it sounds like we both kind of learned a bit of like who we wanted to become in a therapeutic setting. Is that is that what I heard? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely helped me. The, the first time I got into therapy was because like I went through like intense trauma. So it was like, you got to deal with that. Yeah. And then um, it kind of exposed through that. It, it kind of exposed like all the things that were like I kind of pushed into the corner and then you know years in honestly it was during the pandemic was when i had to like take a hard look at myself and be like excuse me just be like bro like what are we doing like who do you like are are you doing is do you like your life do you like where it's going like are you fulfilled are you happy are you working on something are you improving and at that point like not really the answer was not really so i had to start i had to start making some changes and it was a lot of self-reflection because I'm, you know, more of an internalizer in nature. Like I always think about what I could be doing rather than blaming the world because, you know, that's not really, not really that productive, but yeah, a lot of self-reflection for me is how I've kind of figured that out. And the standard helped immensely because that's kind of one of the core tenets is like, you got to like, what is, what, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years, 20 years? Like, this is what you got to be main, what got to be focusing on, and that concept was kind of foreign to me when I was younger. As when I was younger, and then when I was, you know, you're recovering from like the, you know, the trauma I was dealing with was I was in survival mode. I was worried about today, and maybe tomorrow. Like there was no concept of five years from now. Yeah. What that? What are the actions I'm taking that are going to build and build and build until then? That was not on my radar at all. So I've had to learn how to how to really do that and have that be my mindset and now with a little bit of practice like i'm very much able to like lean into that more and more as as i build that proof for myself yeah and you highlighted a really important point with the with anxiety that we talked about earlier is that i think a lot of anxiety comes from being uncertain about the future but if you have a five-year plan what's any individual day what's a week what's a month like your, your mental stability is a lot stronger. And one way that, I, here's another tip, I guess, because I, I did say that if you want to deal with your anxiety, one way to do it, obviously go see a mental health professional. 
The second would be find a social environment and make yourself valuable in that environment. And then the third one, which you just hit the nail on, is like, you know, develop that long-term plan. And I would even add a bonus. Find someone who's already there. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I'm turning 30 next month. You know what makes turning 30, like, because a lot of people panic. Oh, yeah. My life is over. I'm old. Yeah. But when you know people that are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s crushing it, and they tell you, like, yo, when I was your age, I didn't have anything going on for myself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it happens that fast. It happens that, like, beautifully. Like, the 30s is, like, exciting when you know people that are in their 30s thriving. Yeah. There's this one, I forget, I forget where I heard it, but it was like, you can undo eight years of like stagnation and bad decisions with six months of intentional with six months of intentional work Dr. K. <laughs> yeah no like that's yeah i guess he's been in quite an influence Dude, right great. now and but like you know that's it's 100 percent true man like if, if you just focus in a in one or one direction is extremely powerful if you're trying if you're giving all your energy in all these different directions you're not really you're not going to be materially moving the needle like but if you're focusing in one or if just in a couple of directions and they're all like inter- intertwined and like that's what you're worried about, then you're really going to make a, a lot of progress. Um, but yeah, man, definitely finding mentors, finding people who are already doing what um, what you want to do. Like that's why in this stage of my life, you know, since I started a business, like I'm seeking out business owners like, hey teach me like here's what here's my plan right now what should i focus my time on what are the highest leverage activities and actions that i could be taking because you know i could be doing something that i think is the right thing but like i could be completely wrong because going back to what we were talking about earlier i don't know what i don't know because i'm new at this and that's okay but when you find mentors and people who are in the space that you're in who have done it for years and years and have that experience they can you know, in this life we have, there's one thing we can't, we can't get back is time, but you can, but you can, but you can get back time in a way with finding people who have a wealth of experience and years in the game that can get you to avoid roadblocks, that can get you to, you know, taking decades, turning decades into days. Yeah, exactly. Turning decades into days, like, they can they can let you know what to look out for. They can let you know where to put your time because, you know, in this life opportunity cost is baked in, which meaning that, you know, if you're working on one thing, you can't be working on another. There's only one of you. You know, right. this isn't family guy. You can't just get a you can't just clone yourself and have them do the things you don't want to do or the lower leverage activities. You gotta do one thing and it means you're not doing another. So you need to fi- focus on the highest leverage activities and actions that are going to get you from point A to point B. And the only way you're going to know that is, yeah, you can do as much research as possible, but a lot of times your situation is unique to you and you need to find other people who have either done exactly what you're doing or similar and who can analyze your situation and be like, oh yeah, I see what you're doing. Either you're on the right track or here's some things you can tweak or nah, man, you need to be doing this because yeah. of these reasons. And you're like, wow, that makes a whole lot of sense. I never would have thought of that. And there's the value in mentorship and finding people who have done it before. Yeah, your anxiety, like if you do all of that, your anxiety is going to melt away. Yeah, like, because you you get you get a little bit of that, that certainty. Yeah. Because 
it's just like, oh wow, you've done it. Like, yeah, that makes sense. But because if you're flying solo, a lot of us, it's it's very hard, like especially like as an entrepreneur, to like keep pushing through when things don't always look like it's gonna be fantastic and work out great. Because it's usually not going to immediately. It's gonna take a hot minute. It's gonna take years, sometimes even decades. Like especially if you're really trying to do a big thing, it's gonna take a long time, and you gotta and you gotta push through. But those guys and girls, they they find mentors they find people that can help them who've done it before yeah it's like a it's like a video game almost like you have this grand quest like you you can't beat the final boss at level one but you're going to meet a lot of people along the way as you level up Mm -hmm. and as you develop skills and attributes and everything and like the way you know you're setting a good goal is if the current version of you has to become a completely different person by the end of it yeah you need to turn it you need to develop you need to grow and that's the beautiful thing because you know the days are gonna pass no matter what Mm -hmm. but if you're you know taking one step forward every single day you're you look up after months and years you're gonna be an improved an improved better version of yourself who's able to conquer those things like I heard this this one quote it was like you know if you were to wake up tomorrow and have achieved everything that you had wanted to achieve like you would be super overwhelmed because you know you wouldn't know how to handle it. Yeah. You know, you'd probably you'd probably like you know mess it up. Yeah. Like a lot of people, like you see it in like um, like stars, like people who like rise to fame like really quickly. They get what's called altitude sickness because they're not used to dealing with that level of fame and notoriety and money and every that access every try to exploit you. Yeah. They they and they just like sometimes they're just like yo I'm not prepared for this and then they just they crash they're just like they try to get out Mm -hmm. and that's kind of a a good analogy to where like you you need the journey like you need the journey to teach you all the things and turn you into that person to where you can you can handle your new reality and the new blessings you have in your life yeah and i think that's kind of what our podcast is like a testament of because we don't want to we want our podcast and our online presence to be a compliment to what we're doing out into the real world the people mm-hmm. that we're becoming it's like be something we're sharing with everyone else as opposed to this is our entire being yeah like I, I hope i hope the thing what like the things we talk about and the ideas we have change because we're going to change like one of the things that when we were in atlanta um one of the seminars um our dude uh, marcus rosier he talked about like you can only you can only teach to where you are yeah so you, so you as a business owner, entrepreneur, whatever, if you're teaching other people, you need, if you can, if you don't continually grow and progress, you can't teach new things, new concepts, mm-hmm. new things that you've learned. You can't act like you know it all. And that's, you know, the beautiful thing about progressing and becoming the person that you want to become in the end. But it has been a great episode too. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, man, it's been, been a great time and I um, definitely appreciate everyone watching and listening and um yeah so we will be back at you in a couple weeks and yep yeah everyone have a great day goodbye everyone <laughs> <laughs>